to a sound check. Gregory, what did you have for breakfast today? Um, I had a flat white. And that's it? That's it. That's a meal. Well, because, you know, I ate late last night, so I... <laughs> I know. So? So then I woke up and I was like, oh, I'm not really that hungry. <laughs> that's not even a question I ask myself. I wake up and say, oh, I've got to eat. Hello and welcome to In The Frame. Today's guest is Gregory Haney, who is playing Noxima Jackson in the world premiere of Tu Wong Fu, the musical. Based on the 1995 film, the show opens later this month at the Hope Mill Theatre. Gregory is originally from the States and started out performing on Broadway. So his Broadway credits include Tarzan, Memphis, Bring It On and Wicked, where he played Chistery. After performing in Grease Live for Fox, Gregory joined the Broadway production of Hamilton and then transferred to London with the show to be part of the original West End cast. And he basically has stayed put over here ever since. Since finishing his run in Hamilton, Gregory covered Ike Turner in the West End production of Tina and played Speedy Valentine in Wonderful Town at Opera Holland Park. Tiwong Fu is definitely a big moment for Gregory. He came into the podcast booth the week before he started rehearsals um, and he spoke all about his career on both sides of the pod, all about his audition process for Tiwong Fu, and we had a very lovely time. Here's the interview. Gregory Haney, you're in the frame. Ooh, it feels so comfortable, so cozy. Make up, listen, make yourself at home. <laughs> this is a home from home. Paint the picture in terms of headspace and where you're at. What's life giving you right here, right now, today? Um, today, actually, it's giving me uh, the first week, well, not the first week, the last week before the first day of school. So it's like you have to get everything done. You have to do all the checklists before you give your day up to the studio. So that's what today is giving. It's like... Errands. I don't know if listeners can hear, but we can certainly hear right now someone's kind of doing vocal warm ups. She's in somewhere. it. She's on top of it. But that'll be you next Monday. <laughs> it really will. <laughs> <laughs> no opera. I'm going to leave that to Pete. <laughs> oh, Peter Caulfield. Yeah. Is he giving us opera? Well, I don't know. Okay. But Pete, you know, he's a true tenor. <laughs> What's lovely is you've met people, right? Yeah. So you kind of know a little bit what you're getting yourself into. I love it. I've met Pete and Pablo, and we got on like a house on fire. And we're also all three Geminis, so I'm very <gasps> nervous. I'm, I'm so nervous. Wait, so what does this mean? It just means that like we are going to ask questions, we want all the information, and we're going to be very silly at any given time. Okay. And we have all like... I'm the American side Gemini, Pete's the, the, the British, and then Pablo's the Mexican, and he's also younger. So it's like all three of us together are really, it's going to be thing. It's gonna be fun. Okay. I'm excited. Because <laughs> that photo shoot that you did was just incredible, right? It really was. Like the, well, I, you must have been so pleased with what the finished product was. Yeah, I mean, because you, you go into the photo shoots and you never really know what the vision is going to be. Because yeah, you're a photographer as well. I thank you lockdown. <laughs> I had to be artistic somehow, um, but you never know what the what the vision is going to be, so you kind of go in blindly. And so Holly beat our face so well, and I she had she did all three of us, so it was like one after the other after another. Um, so who's Holly? Holly was the MUA. 
Sure. Yes. So um, I don't know if she's going to be with us, but she she did the damn thing. <laughs> she really did. It's also scary to like create the looks, bam, for a photo shoot because yeah. then that's what's ingrained, and you know you haven't even found the, these characters fully yet and everything. Like it's early days. What was fun was that they they sent us kind of. Um, inspiration Dropbox link that basically be, was like these are what the people who we think will involve like wrap around who your character is Cute. which really actually aligned to a lot of the, the, the females that I was like yes of course she's a little Diana Ross of course she's a little <laughs> Naima Campbell of course have you have you ever done like have you ever done drag or anything like that before I have I did um, I did a little show called Bring It On the Musical in New York yeah Yes. <laughs> and I... I Don't, um... Let's not downplay it here. You were in Bring It On on Broadway. Yes. I was. I was. I, um, I helped create... There's a cute little video on YouTube of you in your dressing room. I was so young. I looked like a baby. <laughs> you you are a baby and you're showing us around your dressing room and that's how I got your surname pronunciations when oh. it wasn't an A. You're like, hey, I'm Gregory. Hey. <laughs> yes, it's a, it's a hard A. Um, Oh, that was that was. I, I know exactly what that was. I was wearing like a green jumper. <laughs> yeah, it's really that cute. So you helped you helped create the show. You were just say yes. I um, I was one of the original uh, folks from Bring It On, and I helped create La Cienega, um, who was not a drag queen. She was a trans high school student. This was very early on in the, in, in 2000s before we have trans representation. So I just want to put that out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and at I, the time, that was a step forward. It it really was, and I took a lot of responsibility in making sure that I wasn't the butt of the joke, but I was ahead of the joke and that there wasn't any jokes on the behalf of who I was and how I was representing myself. Mm. Powerful. So. so when this came up, what was like, you know, in terms of jobs coming up, was this one that you were like, oh I, yeah, okay. I didn't hear about it. Actually, my um, my then fiance would, had mentioned it, and I feel like we were like planning the wedding, and I kind of heard it, but then I didn't. It didn't clock. And then another friend of mine, um, who is also American, and we did Wicked oh, ages ago, he was like, uh, "You do know that they're doing two with the musical, right?" I was like, "What?" He's like, "Yeah, it's happening in Manchester." And I was like, "Oh, okay." He's like, "Reach out to your agent now." <laughs> so I said, "All right, great." Um, I reach out, they uh, they send me back the information, and I was like, great. Oh, it's a self-tape. Oh, I have to put it on this week. Oh, I'm getting married on Saturday. <gasps> and the tape has to be in by Friday by 10 No. So through, like, the last, like, ticking off everything on the list for the wedding, I'm doing scenes, I'm learning a song, and I'm trying to be charming. <laughs> All while stressing out. I got it in. It was great. The wedding was beautiful. And then probably <laughs> the wedding. The wedding was gorgeous. Good, I'm pleased. That was your really important. It, it really, it really was. I looked good. We smelled good, and everything went off without a hitch. Um, right. And uh, probably like a week later, I got a I got an email saying they wanted to have a um, a Zoom call, and then that was that. I was very nervous about it because I thought I had to redo it again, but via Zoom because you know that's what we learned. We can do everything on Zoom now. Um, but no, it was mainly just to talk. Douglas was like, "Yeah, I just want to chat." <laughs> that's so great, though. That's like really that's good vibes. It's been created once put good, like good people together, right? Yes, like, yes, definitely. That makes a difference. And like, what have you? What do you know? Like, what have you? What have you had? Obviously, at time of recording, you haven't even started rehearsals. No, what I do know is that it's the original like source material from the movie. 
So, because Douglas wrote it um, back in 95, and he owns all the rights to it. So he is a mastermind and is going to mm-hmm. direct it and make any changes that need to happen. And we're basically just going in and putting, bringing it to life, mm-hmm. which I'm super excited about. I grew up on this movie. Like, Noxzema, there are, there are moments in my life that I can really remember having the kind of, like, sass that Wesley Snipes had. And I was like, where is that from? Why is why is that so so present? And it's because of this movie. Because mm. it was a crazy time right when that came out. Because it was like Priscilla came out in a similar a, a similar time, and it was like we were seeing kind of drag being represented on screen, and it was. I I call it the Americans' response to Priscilla, <laughs> sure. because it is our movie, and there is there is a generation that grew up on it, and it was back to back. Because I feel like um, something else came out around that time. I can't even remember, but there was like a boom of movies that had to deal with drag or hiding of some sort, like Doubtfire. You have um, uh, Martin Lawrence with Big Mama's House. So mm-hmm. there was a lot of that happening. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So when I when we spoke about doing this, you were like, "Oh, but what will we talk about?" <laughs> and I said, "We're gonna have no problem." Um, I said, "We'll talk about theater." <laughs> But you're, you know, you'll see, I love talking to people, right, as a history on here, talking to people, all different journeys, who've done all different things, and you've been on a journey, you've done all different things, you've been on Broadway, you've been in the West End, you've done all sorts of crazy things, and I was doing my little bit of kind of research as well, like, you're, I think you had an interesting journey before you even did your first show of kind of getting to New York and getting mm-hmm. into theatre and training and stuff. So I'm going to rewind. Do you know who Elaine Page is? Yes, of course I know who Elaine Page is. So on a scale of one to Elaine Page, when you were like, you know, a kid growing up, Gregory the five-year-old, uh-huh. how how stagey were you? <laughs> Ooh, how stagey was I? Um, was theatre, did theatre have a presence in your life? No, I was always acting up. So it was like, I, I think I just wanted the attention. I don't necessarily know if it was in a stagey way. Actually, lies. I just got a flashback of me doing the thriller dance in the hallway. So there's, there's that. that. There's that. So um, I'm just <laughs> Well, okay. If it's one to ten, ten being Elaine, I would say I was a, a, a good seven. Okay. And then I started to. I mean, I was a big sports guy, so that was that took up mo- most oh, of my. Oh, plot twist. Oh yeah, I was I was a football player for eleven years. I ran track for seven. I was. I was a proper jock. So, so how did you, why did you go in the theater direction? Why why aren't you like a world well, champion jock? <laughs> champion jock. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know the terminology. I'm afraid. No, I kind of like it. You know which direction that I went in. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> no, I was very good at high jump because I got long legs. Well. But I have trauma because I don't know I had some weird technique of doing the high jump and all I remember is that everyone used to laugh at me when I did the high jump but I was the last one standing so I was just jealous but I was doing some weird like probably theatrical kind of kick in the air as I as I slipped over the (laughs) the bar whatever it is Um, <laughs> I can, I can just, I can just envision it. Um, exactly. <laughs> um, I think. Uh, sorry, what was the question? So, I... why was there any doubt? Were you going to go off and become a professional job, or you know, professional oh, I wanted theater? to go into marketing. What? I know it's it's. I wanted to go into advertising. So, what it was is that uh, well, in elementary school, I would go to school. I was in. The, I was on the football team or the football league. And my dad was the coach for the football team and the track club. And then when I got to high school, 
I could do football in the fall season and then I could do the theater in the, the spring. Mm-hmm. So that was just kind of my journey all the way through. And then during the spring, track actually happened halfway through or just before. So then I would go to rehearsals during the week and then go to my track meets on Fridays. So it just aligned. So I started it because I just had so much energy that my parents were like, you have to do something figure out what, which one you want to do. I actually wanted to do gymnastics first because I wanted to be like Dominic Dawes. My dad said, no, I don't know anything about it. So he put me to track. <laughs> and it, so what? how much theatre was kind of happening? Were you ever doing, were you doing like school plays? Was there childhood no. roles happening? I joined choir and then um, they put on their first musical, which was Annie. And then I ended up being Oliver Warbucks. You're joking. No. Me too. Really? What age were you? Oh, um, it was eighth grade, so I had to be like 13, 14. Oh, I was a little bit younger. I was kind of like giving it 11. Okay. I was singing it up the octave. Uh, my, my, my voice broke halfway through. It just changed. And I was just like, N-Y-C. <clears throat> I was like, together at last. <laughs> <laughs> no, I remember this one, this, the, who, the, the girl who played Annie, she was like, theater down. You could not say anything to her. She had that open throat belt and she was ready and she kept trying to sing above me. And I remember I'd be like, can I sing my part? And you can sing yours. Yeah, I, was, I should have known. <laughs> and you're still doing that to this day. Oops. <laughs> In an No. Um, so, okay, so other than that, though, no, no, like touch points. Not much happening. No, I knew, I, I knew from there when I got into high school. Then I, I wanted to be an actor. So then, like, I would research different schools, and there was um, a school that would teach like on camera classes. So then I, I presented the option of of my, uh, my parents taking me on Saturday mornings at eight a.m. to this on camera class, and how I would pay for it, and tra la la, and they did it. So basically, I was my own motivator in order to get into everything. Incredible. Yeah. And then in terms of kind of next steps and going, right, we're going to do, I'm going to do this seriously. I'm doing this properly. What, what happened? How did you go about that? Now, here's when the staging thing happens. So there was a touring company of fame that yeah. came to Arizona, which is where I'm from. And uh, they were having this like citywide search for somebody to have a walk on roll. And I was like, well, duh, we're going to go and do it. Um, I ended up coming in second place and then they liked me so much that they gave me tickets to the show and then I brought my dad. So like I said, my dad was my football coach and my track coach and also both my parents were in the military. So it was a very strict household. Um, But I took him and during interval or intermission, whomever is listening, same thing, (laughs) um, uh, I turned to him and I was like, this is what I want to do. Wow. And he goes, I can see it. And that was that. There was no other discussion that I had with them. I just I said this is this is what I want to do. Okay, so then after that I like joined the thespian club and then I like went and did the thespian conference and then in Arizona what's really wonderful is that all these schools will send representatives to the thespian conference and you basically can audition for them for to get into college there sure, sure. and so I did that um, and uh, I got into a few schools but my parents didn't want me to leave the state so I ended up going to the University of Arizona where I studied musical theater. Um, And that was life-changing because it was one of the first places where I got in and the training was so good, but also pushed me so far out of my comfort zone. It was more of a classically trained uh, department at the time. So I didn't, I didn't know that that wasn't in my being or it is in my being, but not necessarily like where I sit comfortably. Mm -hmm. Um, 
uh, and neither did they because after the first after my freshman year they did they did not ask me back which is very interesting cut to <laughs> cut to me being like okay great if I can't do theater if I can't be on stage that way then I will switch to dance so then I switched to the dance department and the dance department was one of the top 10 in the country so I was getting really really good dance technique training and I just like put my head down learned what I needed to learn and like grew exponentially like the understanding of my body versus what I did in football and track to all of a sudden understand it in the space using like storytelling as the narrative was like leaps and bounds and I didn't know it at the time that that was going to be my end because I still had really solid training on theater on the theater side but now I had the solid even like it was good. I, I love the University of Arizona for dance department for that. Thank you guys. Mm. Um, and then I would go away every summer. This is a long story. Then I would go well, away I'm, every summer. I'm, I'm totally <laughs> interested. Yeah. Um, uh, I went to Blue Lake Fine Arts Camp uh, after my freshman year to be a counselor there and just be like immersed in all of the arts. And these kids were amazing. There was like six, seven year olds who were like playing tubas, and like. <laughs> You know, actual like visual artists, uh, graphic artists, dancers, singers, opera, like it was everything. And I just like, I saw that like you can, you can do whatever you want in the arts, in the art, underneath the arts umbrella. Um, and then the year after that, I went and trained in Chicago at Gus Giordano Jazz Dance, which was even a greater uh, education on. Oh my gosh, you did a lot of training. I yes. did. Because I, I didn't feel, because I felt like I started late and I felt like I didn't. I didn't. I wanted to be respectful to the craft that I was choosing to join. Do you know what I mean? Were you like exceptionally driven because you yes. made the decision? You knew what you were doing, so you were like getting all of these tools in your toolkit. Basically, you wanted to go do this full out. Yeah. And but was there an end goal in sight at that point? No. Because one thing I think is really interesting is when I talk to people who have done bits, it's like um, how you almost, when you create goals, when your goals change, because it's not it's not such a thing of like having a dream and achieving that dream. <laughs> it's always like you want more, you want different things, or you realise that some things aren't what you thought they were going to be. And it's just interesting to think about how all those things are formed. No, I didn't, I didn't have a goal in mind. I just knew that I wanted to perform. Had you been to New York? Had you No, like, I was afraid show? of it. Why? I don't know. There was something about it. The the school trip went to D.C. one of the years I was in school, and then the next one was going to New York. And everybody was excited, and they were like, oh, are you going? And I was like, no. I'm not going to go to New York until I, I feel like I'm ready. <laughs> because then, cause then what happened is that I went to Chicago, I trained, I came back, and then the next summer I was going to go back. To, I was going to go to New York and train at Ailey, and that was going to be my New York experience. Like yeah. me choosing to go, but also using this time away from school to train. Um, and then uh, I remember my uh, old uh, music teacher, Monty, arrest his soul, um, he looked at me and he was like, you're going to be in Cats. He's like, get ready. You're going to be in Cats. And he was this big man. He was old Deuteronomy on like the first <laughs> uh, national tour. Wow. And he had this like handlebar mustache and he was just like, you're going to be in Cats. He's like, call me when it happens. And I was like, I don't know anything. But I had never seen it. I was like, I don't know anything about Cats. I don't want to be in a show called Cats. So then I went to <laughs> New York, and um, I auditioned for the scholarship program for Ailey, and I didn't get it. So that meant I couldn't pay for the, the time that I was there to do the, the training that I wanted to. And you couldn't, so you couldn't go? Couldn't, couldn't go, but I was already in New York. So then I pivoted, and I went to Broadway Dance Center. 
and I did their work study program at Broadway Dance Center, and then I then created my own intensive while I was there for the summer. Then, incredible. My friend um, Eric was like, "Oh, there's an audition for Cats. Come with me." And I was like, "I don't. Why does everybody want me to be in Cats? Why well, I don't understand? I have no idea what this show is. I don't know what's happening. I'll go because it'll be my first. It'll be my first audition in New York." So myself, Eric, and our friend Jeremy went to the audition, and there was all these guys. I had no headshot. I had no music, but there was a non-equity audition because it was a non-equity tour. Yeah, um, and. Got through the first round, got through the second round. My friend Jeremy got cut. Eric and I were still there. Got sang, went in. I was like, I don't have any, I'm sorry, I don't have any music. I just moved to New York. I lied on the spot. Do not lie, but I, I just wanted to sing something. So I said, I just moved to New York. I, my, my book isn't here yet. Um, he's like, well, what do you know? I was like, uh, Giants in the Sky, Into the Woods. He goes, I was like, they're a giant. <laughs> and I just started singing. And then I don't know what happened. I cut to the very end and he followed me. And so I just did, I did an actual like great 32 bar cut of that song. And I said, thank you. And I walked out. And then they made another cut. They cut my friend Eric. They kept me. And they had us do something else. And then that was it. And they didn't hear anything about it. So then I did the, the intensive at Broadway Dance Center. And then probably... A month before I was supposed to head back to Arizona, they called and they were like, oh, we want you to be a swing on the, the national tour. So I was made a decision and I said, okay. And that's where my career started. And it was a prophecy. That was, it was... It was... I know. And then I called Monty and I was like, you'll never guess. He's like, which one are you? <gasps> <laughs> and I was He's like, said, I'm, I'm, a, I'm the kitten swing, so I'm all of them. He goes, how are your turns in second? I was like, they're getting there. I'm hopping a little bit. He's like, push down, pull up. You got it. And that was it. <laughs> that is one of the craziest stories ever. That's insane. So then you were launched into this world. You were, I mean, how, it, it, going from not having done dance originally, growing up, etc. you know, people in here tell me, oh, I started ballet when I was two years old and those sorts of things. Here you are doing your first show, being like one of the most iconic and challenging dance shows yeah. in history. Loving it. Like, I I think I think about that. Like, I think about little Greg in Arizona being an asthmatic and literally not being able to, like, run upstairs without having, like, an asthma attack mm. to going to, into football and to running track and then all of a sudden, like, finding my, my singing voice, my acting style, my, my dance style, like, what I'm rooted in and, like, to where I am now. It's like, wow. Mm. A journey. So when you were doing that job, was it, you like the baby in the company were you learning off other people I really was it was I mean it was a young company but like I was a sponge like every stop we went into well not every stop but like most places I would like immediately open up the yellow pages because this was back before Google was actually really good <laughs> um, did I just date myself I, just, I think I did <laughs> damn it <laughs> but I would open up the page I would open up the yellow pages and I'd find where the dance studios were and I'd ask like what if they had open classes so then on top of doing the show, I would be going and doing open classes because I was like, oh, I need to I need to keep up because I'm not as good as these people. Mm. Even though I had gotten the job, I just wanted to be at my best. Mm. And it's interesting because you're someone who's gone on to swing in your career. Um, I've only actually swung twice, which is... So later on in Hamilton. Yeah. That's interesting. So like, how did you find doing it then at that age because you were getting to be pushed and to learn everything. I think I was a really good mimic 
because I could, you could show it to me and then I could watch the person doing it and I could be like, okay, these align, great. There are openings or, or there's room for interpretation, but I know that the director likes the way that this person is doing it, so then I will just mold to how this person is doing it. I mean, later on with Hamilton, it is all about individual, like individuality. So I could just bring myself in each part and make it that, and that was acceptable. And it's also what like being a swing is, should be. It's like you're cast for a reason because you have your own voice, your own unique voice. Um, but at the time being cats, like I know that I needed to, I needed to figure out how I could shift in and out. Mm-hmm. So whilst you were doing that job, did something did you were you thinking about what you wanted to do or were you thinking about okay i want to do something in new york i want to get my equity card or well were yes, you just of course all, all I this wild... <laughs> that was the whole goal that's that's like i have stories equity back in my day getting your equity card was like a real like triumph because the equity building was in this like old rickety room um that if you weren't a member, you couldn't get into. So you had to sit in this tiny little hallway and then go use the bathroom at the McDonald's down outside. <gasps> so it was like, it was a thing of being like, oh no, you're not going to break me type of thing. So then when I ended up getting it and like being able to like go into the room to be like, oh, it's nice. It's cool in here. There's aircon. Like this is, this is quite nice. I'm glad that I stuck it out. And now the equity building is beautiful and, and they have air conditioning where the waiting room is. Um, but explain, what did you have to do to get your equity card? So basically, you either had to automatically get a Broadway show or you had to go to theater houses that were equity houses and, and then you got points. points and then you could buy in. Um, uh, luckily, my first show after um, Cats was Tarzan. So then I automatically got my, my equity card, which was brilliant. Amazing. And then, I mean, it looks like from Tarzan, you had this incredible era. I did. Of doing, like, the most insane jobs. Like, the most insane jobs. Like, like you mentioned, Bring It On. Um, obviously, like, Memphis. Like, <laughs> you took it on my favorite shows. And then later, Chistery and Wicked. Like, yeah. what? Who who were you back then? Who were you in that time? Were you... I was a hustler. <laughs> <laughs> I was everywhere. I feel like one of the reasons why um, I was able to go from Cats to Tarzan was because on on weeks off or, like, days off, I would fly back to New York and I'd, like, hang out with friends. But then I would go to auditions. So there was not an audition that I didn't go to, even though it wasn't right for me. I am not the biggest tapper. Even a tap show, I'd go and they'd be like, Greg... I was like, I know, I just, I don't know if they've seen me. So I just, I need them to see me. So then later on, if they're like, oh yeah, actually, this person fits something. Um, and that's kind of what happened with Tarzan. Like, I, I, I originally went once before and then everybody got cut, except for the people who were equity. The next time they were looking for a specific part that I could do. So then they, the old, the old uh, headshot lineup, they took all of our headshots, put them on the floor, the choreographer and the dance captain walked through and like touched the headshot and that's who they slid out. And then anybody else they didn't touch, they dismissed. So luckily I got in. And then from there, I just made strong choices. But also, am I right in thinking that Broadway contracts are different to London contracts? Very much so. In the sense that if you're on an open-ended contract, then you just give your notice as an ensemble member, right? And you can right. leave. Whereas in the West End, that never happens. You're always tied into it. Well, nine times out of ten, you're tied into a certain date. Like, you sign on for another year, and another year, you have to make a big commitment. 
Well, the thing is, so what happens is um, you get a six-month rider, so you're guaranteeing six months of work, so then yeah. you can't, you you can't, can't come and go. can't leave in that period. Yet. Unless you get an offer for another show or something else that is like a name in a show. So like if I was in an ensemble of Tarzan and all of a sudden I got um, the, th- uh, the opportunity to do La Cienega, and if I was only four months in, I could say, I have this opportunity, I'm going to create this, this part um, for the new musical, they could then let me out. Um, but six months is always guaranteed. And then from there, um, then you basically are on an open, open-ended contract that you have to give your four weeks if you want to leave. But then you can sign another writer, another six-month writer, and then guarantee another six months. So, yes, there might be more auditions um, or more rehearsals for people coming in and out. But it gives you the opportunity as an artist to continue, like, growth and continue to, like, you know, you know expand upon what you want. Like, if it, say, if you want to stay in a show in order to do more television stuff, then you work, like, your company manager and stage manager will work things out to where you're able to shoot during the day if you don't have rehearsals mm. and still come in and do it at night. Mm. So it's it's very it's very that, and I, I, I miss a little of that. Well, yeah, well, even say say you're in the ensemble of the fans in the opera and you're actually like, right, okay, maybe I want to start looking something else now. Rather than having to just leave so that you're available, you can just, you know, you're just every you just have to give four weeks notice. So you can audition, you can book something else, and you can jump from one job to another. It's almost easier to, to do that. I mean, that's why we have the, the Broadway coat um, the, for people who have had, like, the, the, the most, most... Broadway shows. Yeah. 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 I, mean, I, 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 didn't, I didn't get it yet. Tell me about Wicked. Tell me about going into Wicked as Chistery. Okay. That's insane. I... So... Wicked. I feel like <laughs> because I feel like I feel like I ended up getting wicked because um, again I made a strong choice. I don't know why I did this, but we were working on the partnering stuff, and I lifted the associate um, Corinne, and then we were doing it again, and then Mark, um, who was the uh, Universal Dance Captain, I think, um, he came in and stepped, and he's like, "Oh, you're grabbing it wrong," and then I lifted him as well, and so I just was like, "Oh," and he's like, "Whoo." I think because I I think I that like stuck me in their head a little bit, but I ended up doing uh, Wicked in Chicago, so then I did Chicago until that closed, and then we started. Who the, was that? Yeah, was the end of the Chicago run? Yes, was well, that, the last like year and some change. Was it like was that like Casey Levy and Jennifer Denoya and? It was Jenny Denoya. She actually was my dance captain, so I. Wow, you were there at the beginning at of the her beginning. Job, she was the emergency understudy. Uh, yes, I remember her being like, I want, I really want to do Alphabet. And I was like, why aren't you doing Alphabet? She's like, I don't know. <laughs> but I do, I and do remember. she's gone on to do literally now, more times than anybody else in yes. the world, I think. Yeah. It was back, back, back in the day. Um, who did I have? I had Teal Wicks. Incredible. I had, uh, I can't, all I'm remembering is um, Anna Lee Ashford. But then I went to I did Wicked a lot. I did Wicked in Chicago. We did the second national tour. Um, then they shipped me off to the San Francisco cast, and I did it there. I did it with Eden, um, <sighs> who's possibly one of my favorite people ever. She's just so warm. Um, and then I left, and I went back to New York to do Memphis. And after Memphis, I think there was a little bit of time, and then I did Broadway. And I, I did it with Rachel. Oh my gosh, yeah. Rachel Tucker. Yeah, queen. She is, and I was I was a history there. I went back and forth between. I started out as the ribbon track, and then I understudied history, and then um, the history left, and that's when I took over. That was an amazing era for Wicked when 
Wicked was was everywhere, yeah. and you know those those witches were shipped off everywhere, and you know the ensembles and the company, the people. There was so much opportunity like within that show. So what's it like now to? You know, there must have been a crazy era for you. I mean, it, it, they kind of use the tours as the boot camp to yeah, being yeah, like, yeah. we'll see, we'll we'll see how you last on tour, and then we'll maybe give you a standby on on Broadway. And then now it's like, I've I've been so I've not been in it for so long that I really do want. I haven't seen the one here, so I want to see it and just be reminded of it every now and then. I, um, uh, Leah Given was uh, one of the swings for Hamilton, and she had done the tour, and so every now and then I'll be like, Do you want to dance through life? <gasps> Because I just feel like I, I, I want to dance through life. And she's like, yeah, let's. <laughs> and we would like restage it on the Hamilton stage. Oh. <laughs> oh. Because you'd freak out because over here they do it in British accents. It's so weird. I know. I wonder if ever I went in for Bach, if I'd be like, can I just be American? Well, that's interesting because when Jenny Denoy came over here, she still did it in American. Mm-hmm. Adina did it American over here. But um, like Rachel Tucker, for example, she had to do kind of an RP accent rather than her Irish accent. And obviously when she was on Broadway, she did it in an American accent. Mm-hmm. But box, there's a history of box having regional UK accents. So we had a Glaswegian book. We had a Geordie book like oh, wow. from Newcastle. So there's been box with all different accents. So maybe... Maybe I can get away with it. Can you do a British accent? It's horrible. It's I. <laughs> my husband he makes fun of me, and I go, "I'm trying, I'm trying." I can only get away with it when I'm not thinking about it, and I'm like ordering coffee, and then I, I shock myself. I'm like, <laughs> I can so see, I can so see a bit of bark. Well. From your lips to their ears. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, wicked. Talk to Rachel. She'll sort you out. It's true. <laughs> she she she's done it so many times everywhere that I everyone know. loves her. I thought it was gonna be. I thought wicked was gonna be like that for me, and then Hamilton ended up being yeah that yeah for yeah. Because I've done it everywhere. Was before we we'll talk, we'll talk about Hamilton, but what was it like doing wicked with Rachel? Because she's someone who just I saw actually I, want, I maybe even saw you after that's my playbill because I saw her do Alphaba on Broadway. On a Easter Friday matinee, <laughs> which is cruel. Yes. Like when you're on one of those nine show weeks. And I mean, she just blew it out of the park and she's incredible and she just always riffs it up and it's just mental. Yes. And she's so chill, isn't she? She, it was, I came in and because I, because I had been in the, the show so long, um, I knew a lot of the ensemble and I feel like I'd come back. I, this is my second time coming back. So I went back as the ribbon first and I came back as just for you this next time. Um, and, I was like, who's Elf? Who's this Elfie? I don't know her. I don't know her name. They're like, oh, it's no, it's Rachel Tucker. And I was like, hmm, hmm, I've had my fair share. Let's see. And then I, I watched her do the show and I was like, oh, <laughs> well, I see we're acting today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I see we're giving me everything that I need and I'm, we're going to be friends. <laughs> <laughs> that will do. That will do. And it just like, and then from there, I, especially if ever I'm just here, I like to make sure that like I have a really good camaraderie mm. with, with my witches just because I feel like, you know, if I have to sit there and listen to you sing for good, you are going to have to be my friend. Oh my gosh. It's torture. I've never even thought about history in that moment. Ask any history sitting on that like balcony and just having to sit still because you have the wings that will move and take somebody's eye. But like making sure that you're engaged enough to where it looks like the entire stage is wrapped around this moment is difficult. I remember there was one day my, my leg fell asleep and I was like, I have to run across the stage now. I have to jump off this balcony and run across the stage 
and my legs inflate. We're going to do it. We're going to figure it out. That's some serious... T- and it's, it's quite a long song. It's quite slow. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's obviously the most beautiful, heartwarming moment for the audience and for those two women. It really is. To be just chilling on stage. That's hilarious. In a, in, in a monkey suit with this like head, like weird start, like helmet on with your like toe. It's it's a lot of things. That's <laughs> So you could have touched on it. Hamilton ended up becoming that thing for you. Where you did it everywhere and it yeah. changed your life, I imagine. Well, yes. You did it via Grease Live, right? Oh, we have done our research. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I had worked with I'd worked with Lynn and Andy um, and Alex Lackamore and uh, Bring It On. And then while Lynn was writing Hamilton, it was during Bring It On. So I still remember him like in the, in the audience writing it. And... Uh, I auditioned for the, I'd seen the workshop, the original workshop to where it was wow. like, they only had like a few things staged and then yeah. the rest was just done. Um, and then I auditioned for the next workshop into the uh, public performance. That happened, didn't get it. Then it was another audition, didn't get it. I auditioned for that show around, I feel like nine, ten times. And I don't think they, they knew where to put me or where I fit. Just because I just come off of doing Bring It On, and I was so singular in that. Um, Did you know where you wanted to be, where you wanted them to put you? I didn't know anything about the show really. Like sure, I knew, like sure, sure, sure. I knew, I knew what the show was, and I I knew that I wanted to be in it. I just didn't know in what capacity I wanted to be in it, and so that's why I kept going back because it was like, well, clearly neither of us know, so. It'll happen when it happens. And I couldn't be mad about not getting it because all of my friends were getting it. And it was such a strong and beautiful cast. I was just like, well, of course Ephraim got it. <laughs> like, of course Betsy got it. Like, Betsy and I had did Wicked together. That was our first job together. And now she's sitting there being um, uh, woman two. And she's killing it. Like, I I'm, I was obsessed with that original cast. Um, and then Grease Live happened, and I was in L.A., and it was on the day off, and I remember my agent being, calling me, and I had just auditioned for it before I went out. Sure. Um, and my agent was like, oh, by the way, uh, you just booked Hamilton, and you start on Tuesday. <laughs> I was like, what? He's like, yeah, so you're, the 31st of January is when you air. You fly back on the 1st. You start on the 2nd. I was like, huh? He's like, yeah. Because imagine Grease Live in itself is a pretty busy, intense job when you're yes. preparing for a live TV musical broadcast. And Tommy Kale was the director of that and also the director of, of Hamilton. So the next day on set, I was just like, you didn't want to tell me? <laughs> he goes, you know, I just, yeah, just, you know, I just wanted to see your face. You know, I, got, I got to keep you fed. And I was like, well, thank you. I'll see you next week. <laughs> and that was like, that was literally a few months before... Actually, it was the week where they performed on the Grammys, and I remember I was in rehearsals, and I was at home, and I was watching them perform on the stage on the Grammys. I was like, I cannot believe that like my station is up and to the right of the stage, it's crazy. and my original, my Broadway debut theater as well. Like my name is still underneath my station mark. Wow! Oh my gosh! And remind me, did you go in originally as a swing, or did you go in originally in, in ensemble? I went in as, as a swing. Sure. So, so you've always you've always swung. Yeah, I've always swung. All of your Hamilton journey. And did you have any idea what was in store for you? Well, I'd known 
it was hard not to know about Hamilton by that time. So it's like you, I, I knew I was walking into a beast because um, they had like the original cast had been through so much from the infancy and then where they had gotten. I kind of stepped in right where everything had settled. And they were like, they knew the groove of the show. They knew what they needed. Like people were aware of how the show like, like hit their bodies. Like it was, it was all there. So I was kind of just coming in and I was like, oh, cool. Great. We're, we got invited to what party? <laughs> I'm going to be late. <laughs> like it was, it was like, I, we felt like rock stars. Like I felt like a rock star. I can't speak for anybody else, but I felt like a rock star. What was one of your favorite moments from that period, the rock star period? Oh, it has to have been the Tonys. Had to been uh, going to DC and meeting Michelle and Barack. Oh my gosh! Like the the bus trip felt like we were back in high school and you were going on a trip for school because all of us were wild except where we had alcohol. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, uh, It had to be that. It had to have been. Oh, we got invited. I remember we got invited to the MoMA had a garden party and it was on my birthday. And I remember I was so excited for it. And then all of a sudden, like, this music started in the background. I was like, is that? That can't be. And this curtain opened, and it's James Blunt playing the piano. And he's singing. And I was like, on my birthday! (laughs) I was so geeked out. Like, it was, yeah. Yeah. Like, and uh, And then it just so happened that I was leaving two months later to come to the UK to be the dance captain. Right. Okay. So... How long, we, how long did you do it on Broadway for? I did it for a year and a half. And how did London come on the cards? Well, they needed... So they had already done the first national tour. Um, and I feel like one of the the castmates was uh, British. And so they... And Equity has a one-for-one. One. Yeah. And so they had to fulfill that one-for-one. One, and then I just slid in. <laughs> just slid in. I don't have a problem with it relocating. Like, I don't... <laughs> I've always wanted to work in on the West End, so if this is my way to get it, then let's do it. Um, went What's through that the, whole was process. It, was that was it an easy, an easy yes, and an easy. Well, I was I was one of a couple, I think, and then it just kind of fell to me. So I'm very fortunate for them making that decision. Sure, because it was a new adventure, a new chapter in my life that I am so thankful for. Because mm. um, I probably wouldn't, I probably wouldn't be Nagzima right now, um, but. I came over here, and then that was that was nerve-wracking, a whole, like, thing on its own, just because I was the American coming into, that had done the show. And so me trying to, like, maintain what the show was and how it was created and, like, the nuances of things I was a lot, but I could not have done that without the team that they had built and created. Like, Carrie um, and Alex. Carrie was the resident choreographer and also the choreographer of Six. Um, mm-hmm. And Alex is an up-and-coming choreographer. She's got so many things. She's incredible, yeah. Alex Amianto. This is your shout-out. Uh, so what, wait, what stage were they at when you came over? Oh, it was the original. Oh, I see. So literally day okay, day one. Day one in the brand-new Victoria Palace. Like yeah, still having hard, hard hats to go into the house. <laughs> The, the the men's dressing room not even completed like it was did you see the TV the TV show where Cameron was like walking around Cameron McIntosh was walking around he was like no not that toilet seat <laughs> I, I, I saw clips yes. I saw clips it was pure drama <laughs> that way it was I didn't know if we were going to be able to open the show because honestly everything was still wrapped up in plastic and hard hats in order to like have rehearsal all the swings I we we sat on we sat in the um 
the balcony and I called it the orphanage because we were just like all bundled together with hard hats on. There was a lot of buzz for the show opening here. So much. Hamilton was at the stage where you couldn't get tickets for it on Broadway, so people were literally planning holidays over here so they could have a trip to London and see Hamilton because they couldn't see it anywhere else where it would be work out cheaper to <laughs> do all of that than to buy a ticket for a you know, resale ticket on Broadway. Um, and, you know, the, I remember the first time going to see it, you had to present ID to get into the theatre. And, you know, it was like nothing that anybody had ever experienced. It and I was, was nervous because wild. I didn't think I, I know I know the British disability for theatre is much different because Americans were, were rowdy. Like, let's be honest, we're rowdy. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I know that, like, not necessarily if the audience is quiet doesn't mean that they're not enjoying it. But in my history with Hamilton, the audience is never quiet. So, like, audibly, I know, like, as soon as a dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, just a wall of sound would hit. And over here, I was like, oh, my gosh, are they going to do it? Are they going to like this? I mean, we are making fun of them a little bit. But then that first that first day, I just remember it, it felt the same, but it just it also felt like it was my show as well. Like I felt very like ingrained in its DNA, which was really nice. Mm. Instead of coming into something that already had been created. Mm. Well, you had the most incredible bunch of people. Like you know, we mentioned Obi the other day, mm-hmm. who just did the podcast. Like Rachel John, and even so crazy, like Miriam Teague Lee was one of the covers yeah. for the Skylers, right? And. It's insane to look at that group group of stars. Cleve, Taryn. Yeah, people just don't stop working and don't stop doing insane, insane things. Um, I remember I saw the original Broadway cast, and when Lynn came out, I'm like, Alexander Hamilton. You know, that the mm-hmm. show just stopped for was two it? minutes because everyone just was just applauding, 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 applauding. I actually just remembered another highlight. You asked me for a highlight. So I um, I started, as soon as like people started to leave, I started making sure that I would um, record their bows. And so I would record everyone's bows, and I'd send it to them, and I'd take a picture with them, and I'd make them go into color, and we were still black and white as if we were. Sure. So then that was my way of documenting, but also just like trying to give something back just a little bit because I know how much they gave for the show. Mm. And I also remember um, we were celebrating Prince, Prince had passed, and so we were celebrating. Mm. And then I took a video from the stage, and the next morning I woke up to a phone call from CNN asking me to come and sit on a panel and talk about <sighs> that bow. And I was like, what? And then not only that, I remember taking the video of um, Pence coming to the show and us having the conversation with him, and then all of a sudden, like, that going viral, and my entire Facebook and Instagram page, like, being bombarded with haters. <sighs> Everybody on mute. <laughs> because that's exactly what I did. See, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my. Yes. It's the craziest. It, it's always interesting to hear those sorts of stories because when those sorts of things are happening from the outside, you kind of hear about it, you can see it, but I always can't imagine from the inside it must be so exciting and so crazy, but also you've got a job to do, right? Mm-hmm. And you can't let the quality of the show, you know, be sacrificed in any way. So it must also come with huge kind of pressure and responsibility or you just must be able to have, you know, amazing focus to be able to focus on what's important, which in turn must teach you some really valuable life lessons doing something like that. Well, yeah, I mean, it's like you have to be able, there is a a beautiful thing of putting yourself fully and wholeheartedly into the piece that you're working on. 
so much so that like outside the outside drama outside world things that are happening kind of wash away because you are invested in what the story that you're giving and i think that it, it is a testament to the show because i think that everybody shows up to do the show and is able to tell the story in a way that feels authentic and real and and not put on mm. um and then after the show's done then you can go and handle your handle your business yeah yeah, yeah exactly exactly at least that's my my frame of mind <laughs> so listen now you're married and you're settled and you're here <laughs> like, yes <laughs> was that when was that always the plan were you always going to stay in london were you this is but you always just be here for like a year or like... no i was only supposed to be here for a year like my visa was like a year and then I was like, no, I'm going to stay. Like, I feel like I can do what I want to do here, which was create. And as long as I was proud of what I was creating, then I could be anywhere in the world, right? So it doesn't really matter. New York is always going to be New York. Exactly. Um, so then I switched my visa. And then probably like a year later, a friend of mine introduced me to him. And there it was. I know, old-fashioned way. Got in, we got introduced in real life. That was it. And hey, and now you're like heading off to the seaside for the whole weekend. Going to the seaside to play on the beach. <laughs> but it must be crazy to have to study. in New York. People knew who you were on the theater scene. Casting directors, you knew who you were. You had a reputation. You had so many mutual friends. Mm-hmm. So obviously, I mean, Hamilton's an incredible launch pad. I'm sure you met lots of people on the way on one side. But equally, to make the decision to stay here and to commit to theater in this career must have been scary because you were having to reestablish relationships and find agents and do things that you had done years ago in New York and didn't think maybe you would have to do again. Like, it's a crazy thing. It is. It was, it was, it was difficult. And sometimes I still feel like people don't know who I am in the sense of, like, I'll show up to auditions and I'll do the best that I can and then we'll have conversations and then they'll be like, wait. And they'll look at the CV and be like, wait. I'm like, hi. <laughs> I'm here. Um, but it did feel like starting from ground zero, but I felt like my past shows, my past work spoke as who, what kind of performer I was. Yes. And because they're so diverse, it's like, well, I kind of just stand there. I'm like, well, what do you need? What What is it that you what you want? Um, so yeah, it, and I feel like this, this side of the, the adventure now is proving... Like, it's proving exciting because it's like, you know, going from Tina and being an understudy for Ike and like doing Ike and then also doing Noxzema. It's like, well, I can flip I can flip a coin. <laughs> no, I can be I can be either either what you need. Like, I think it says more to the kind of talent that I've grown into. Mm. I was, I was, yeah, I was going to say just that, like, the Tina era must have then been incredible to go on to land a next, like, big West End show like that and have an amazing moment, like, you know, in there. And now, with Two on Food, I mean, that's just so exciting. And, you know, to be the Hope Mill do amazing stuff and amazing people go on to do incredible things, mm-hmm. you know, it just must be like, yes, <laughs> it's working. I'm getting to where I want to be. Things are happening. It's all positive steps. Yes. I, I think that, I think that there is, it's always hard because you do have to say no to to things in order to allow other opportunities to mm. present themselves. And learning to say no is a tough thing in this industry. Yes. I mean, I love, I love the word no. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm so pleased you're here. Oh, yeah. I love the word no. But it is very difficult to say no to work because it's like, well, is this a sidestep or a backstep or for like, is this like messing up my momentum in some way? Um, and I think that, you know, you mentioned I was a photographer. I felt like now that I had a way to output my like artistic like flow, it becomes easier to say, "Well, no, I'm okay. I don't I don't want to go into the ensemble right now," which is nothing wrong with that. It just wasn't part of my 
what I wanted to happen. I want to be seen. I want I want to be heard. I want to have an opinion, and I want to help make decisions on how to craft a character and bring them to life. Mm. And I think be creatively fulfilled in that way because that's what's going to creatively fulfill you at this moment. Yeah. Yes. Because don't get me wrong, I I love being I love being Wicked and I love being in Hamilton. I or else I wouldn't have done it. You know, so for so long that like it it really did artistically and creatively like fulfill me. But then at a certain point, I needed to move forward and move past. Mm. And that's what you're doing. And that's where I'm at. It's an exciting place to be. It is. So what, like now, obviously, you're about to enter this whole chapter and the unknown is ahead for the next few months. Like, you're going to meet lots of people and yes. have an amazing creative process, hopefully, and all these amazing things that can happen. But what, where are you at? Like, how are you feeling? What, what's getting you excited now? I'm a little nervous. Of course, that's what happens when you're like put into the front of the room. Um, it's I, like you, you strive to get something right and you get it. And you're like, oh, no, I've got to do it. You're like, wait, did they make the right decision? <laughs> yeah. Did they need to call me? What <laughs> did I do in that tape? What did, I, did I do something new? I don't know. Um, no, I'm excited to like take a big, like I love the process. Like I love, I love everybody to be in the room and not know what's happening. And then all of a sudden it come together and see people's faces turn like, that's good. That's good. Mm. Like, I'm excited for that. I'm excited for the choreography. I'm excited for, you know, the staging. I'm excited to play with the the, th- the other two. Um, yeah. I'm also really excited to dance in the heels again. I'm not going to lie. I know nothing about this show. Like, I need for you, your homework is to watch this movie. But do you think I should? Because I'm known for this. Like, I hadn't even seen Legally Blonde, the movie, when I went to see Legally oh. Blonde, the musical. I hadn't seen, I had seen Pretty Woman. You know, but I'm known, I, I've never, I don't really watch films. So I, I, I love going to see them as a musical entity. And for that being the way of discovering something, I might maybe watch it afterwards. It's, honestly, I think it's a source material for RuPaul's Drag Race. Wow, okay, interesting. Because Rue's in it. She plays um, Rachel, Rachel Tension is her, <laughs> is her name. And I, I, I honestly think, like, the, the format is, is from this. But it's just a show, like, okay, I'm going to get a little, a, little, a little deep on you. The reason why the movie is so good is because it highlights drag as an art form. Um, it highlights community as the form, like in the form, like foremost. It also shows that um, closed-mindedness is neither is not tolerated, and it's to be open and to sh- and to lead with love and lead with care. And ultimately, especially right now in America, mm-hmm. it's like that's what that's what it is. That's what needs to happen. And it's just about this journey of three different individuals coming together to understand that, like, they're a family. Like, chosen family is important. Mm. Um, leading with love is important. And, and helping prosper, like, other communities that you may or may not know about. Like, it's, like, the difference between a New York drag queen and then all of a sudden a little country town and then them all of a sudden coming together is just, like, what? why? Why would that work? And I guess it's fantasy a little bit, but it's also it's reality it's like we can we can do it all and i think for me it shows that art is uh, that drag is an art form Mm. and that drag queens are superheroes (laughs) amen and it couldn't be a more perfect time to have this story on stage yes definitely like i went to see like casual fall the other week at regent's park and the way they conquer bigotry and everything in that show it just hit differently right now it's crazy 
and it's important. Like we need to, we need more of it. Um, and that's that's why you should watch the movie as well. Is that like it just fills you with like, oh, it, for me it it excites people mm. and it excites me to like rewatch the movie and be like, let's do it because mm. it's going to be different because it's the source material and there's music, so it's going to be different. Wait, how do you feel about you know Hope Mill is tiny? Have you been to Hope Mill? I went. Um, we went to Manchester Pride. Oh. oh wow! Okay. To help promote the show. So yes, it is tiny, but. I but how do you feel? Are you excited? Are you I am. scared? Well, no, I love, I love, I love like small theaters because I feel like what happens is that you can't hide behind the proscenium. Yeah, yeah. And the audience has the most incredible. Like, as an audience member, I love going to that hotel. You just have the most incredible experience. Yes. You're seeing epically talented people just before your eyes, and you can see every, you can see every detail. You live and breathe with them. And I think what's really wonderful about them is that Joseph and William mm. are so warm, mm. and I feel like they help cast and they bring theater with that warmthness like already like rooted into it so then it just fills the room. Yeah. I'm 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 looking forward to being there. I really am. Also to see <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing Manchester like without pride. Like I wanna <laughs> I would just I wanna get to know Manchester and be like, oh, you are a lovely city instead of it being just like full of people. <laughs> I think Manchester is still busy. There's lots going on in Manchester. It's not like that. But it will not be, I'm sure. The gay village was wild. (laughs) Absolutely wild. You will will have a good time in Manchester. People tell me they're on tour. Manchester's, you know, where it's at when they get to Manchester. That's the craziest week. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming in to see me. You're welcome. On your week before, your final week off. Good luck (laughs) with everything. I can't wait. I need to work out if I can get up when I can get up and try and come and see it. Um, But no one leaves here empty-handed. Okay. I have something for you. Don't get too, like, don't get get crazy excited. I mean, I like a gift, so. This is your very own. You have stuff to take to Manchester, right? This is your very own West End Frame tote bag. And it's sustainable, made from fully recycled materials. This might be my makeup holder. <gasps> ah! I'm going to send you, I'll send you a picture. Yes, please. This might be my makeup holder. <laughs> Thank you so much, Gregory. <laughs> you can see Gregory in Tuong Fu at the Hope Mill Theatre in Manchester from the 21st of October through to the 17th of December. A huge thank you again to Gregory for coming in to see me in the podcast booth the week before he kicked off rehearsals. It was so lovely and wonderful to have this conversation. If you're enjoying this season of In The Frame, hit follow and subscribe. And you could even leave us an Apple podcast or Spotify rating or review. We love hearing from you, so stay up to date with all things West End Frame on Instagram, TikTok and Facebook. Check out our other podcast, The West End Frame Show, for your weekly stage catch-up. And I'll be back next week. I think we're kicking off things right at the start of the week. We've got another two-episode week, so come back on Monday um, and then again on Friday. We have two incredible guests. But until then, thank you for listening. Thank you.